Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.55 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 23rd of March, 2022, and this is episode 562 of Bitcoin. And if you want to support the show, you can always do it through Podcasting 2.0. You know, if you have to know. You can do that through a Sphinx Chat app. They have a podcasting player in there as well as a Lightning Wallet. And you can stream me Satoshis while you listen to these dulcet tones and sitting down listening to me reading you the news so that you don't have to, okay? And if you want to support me doing more of that, I would appreciate it. That would be awesome. Also, you can use Fountain App. Fountain App, Fountain app is really getting pretty strong. It's becoming a very strong podcasting app uh, and you can stream Satoshis through the Lightning Wallet embedded in that app directly to my Lightning node. And if you don't want to get into any of that and you still want to use a credit card in the Fiat legacy financial system, I have a Patreon. That is right. For $1 a month, or you can do whatever the hell you want, honestly, uh, you can uh, you can help support the show at patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and podcast. Also, five-star reviews. If you don't want to give me any money at all and you just want to give me your time, that is worth just as much as your money. Honestly, it really is. Because sitting down, spending your time writing a five-star review on Apple iTunes or any place else that you can think of, uh, spreading the word, letting your family and friends know that if they want to know what's going on in Bitcoin on a day-to-day basis and they don't want to read the news, uh, they don't want to read the link, they can just sit in the car, go into their work and listen to me tell you or them about what's going the hell on in a Bitcoin. So that works as well. Now, first up on deck, onboarding 1 billion people onto Bitcoin. Ray Youssef from Bitcoin Magazine is writing it. He's actually not from Bitcoin Magazine. Ray Youssef is uh, on the in the African continent. I want to say Nigeria. Not exactly sure. But he has been working hard for years on the continent of Africa, getting people onboarded onto Bitcoin. He has been around for a very long time. Uh, Ray Youssef is one of my favorite people in the space. And he says, for years. I've been saying to anyone who will listen that Africa will lead global Bitcoin adoption. And that has come to fruition. It was at the Bitcoin 2021 conference where I shared that same statement on the Nakamoto stage. And here we are one year later and Bitcoin adoption in Africa is still on the rise with reports showing that the market has grown over 1200% with Kenya, South Africa, and Nigeria all leading the charge. Having been born in Egypt and moved to the U.S. with my family at age of two, I've always been passionate about my home continent of Africa. 
After all, home is home, but my belief that Africa will lead the way stems more than just from my roots. Nearly 60% of the population of Africans are unbanked. Africans are also battling rising inflation and high transaction fees for cross-border payments, so it's clear that the continent has long been primed for an alternative solution like Bitcoin. It's these challenges across the continent, coupled with the entrepreneurial spirit of the people that have allowed Bitcoin to thrive. At Paxful, we saw early on how Africa wasn't going to miss this opportunity. We've seen the growth across the continent firsthand. While Nigeria has continued to lead the way as our largest market based on trade volume, countries like Kenya and Ghana are not far behind. Over the last year, we've seen a steady increase in trade volume across both countries, a strong indication that we are well on our way. The people of Africa are the true leaders in this movement, and the rest of the world is getting a front row seat. The continent is slowly breaking down stereotypes driven by false narratives and showing the world the true use cases of Bitcoin. But to onboard 1 billion Bitcoiners, there's a lot more work to be done. <clears throat> For example, we still need to dispel myths and misconceptions at a mass level. Bitcoin education fixes this. Paxful is doing our part. As of this month, we've reached over 9 million users and are on our way to onboarding 10 million. Other businesses and leaders in the space can also be a part of the solution. By staying connected to the streets, we can all help consumers understand how Bitcoin can solve their everyday financial problems. Take Rachel, for example, a restaurant employee in Nigeria. After talking to Rachel about Bitcoin, she was curious to learn more. Her phone was broken, so she left us her contact information on a piece of paper. After meeting Rachel and other community members who were eager to learn, we built our first education center in the country. This is how mainstream adoption will happen. It's not about creating millionaires, but providing access to financial of financial freedom to millions. The Bitcoin conference serves as an opportunity to continue to fuel Bitcoin education. Together with Mayor Francis Suarez, we are focused on increasing financial literacy across the city of Miami by donating 500 tickets to students and local organization, organizations for this year's Bitcoin 2022 conference. And Bitcoin is for everyone. And I'm honored to have a platform where I can speak my truth and carry out the mission for global adoption. So Ray Youssef started Paxful. He is in Nigeria. He has been doing this for a long time. I first learned about Ray Youssef well before the, um, well, actually, I guess in 2016. Uh, so it was well before uh, the uh, $20,000 Bitcoin price, which at, at the time was the all-time high, and spun off. We, we had the block size war. We had the spinoffs of BCH. And then BCH fragmented into BCH and Craig Wright's abomination. Of course, they're both abominations, honestly. But in either event, uh, lots of stuff was going on. And Ray Youssef, through it all, was out there in Africa doing the work. While a lot of us were sitting there twiddling our thumbs and crying and moaning about, oh my God, is there going to be a block size war or how bad is it going to be is there going to be a hard fork uh, how, uh, are we going to lose all our money all that shit and ray was educating africans about bitcoin because it's important i will say it one more time i do not give a shit about first world adoption of bitcoin right now that's going to come later it always was going to come later 
it's Latin America, Africa, the Baltics, the Balkans, most of Eastern Europe, and a few other countries scattered here and there that are smaller. Those are the countries that you should be watching. Not Great Britain, not the United Kingdom, not the EU, not United States, and not Canada or Australia or New Zealand or any of that bullshit. Certainly not China. It's going to be the small people that have been under the thumb of the big people for decades, if not centuries, <clears throat> that will drive the world's economy into the future. If you don't believe me, I can't help you. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm right. I know I'm right. I'm going to be proven right. It is not first world adoption of Bitcoin that makes this work. It's, it's the little guy. It really is. Now, if you've got Bitcoin, how do you not lose it? Jameson Lopp tells us more from Cointelegraph, a detailed guide on how to lose all of your Bitcoin investments. Let's say you want to lose your Bitcoin totally, irretrievably and forever. Hey, it's not our place to wonder why. Maybe it's part of some elaborate performance art piece, like the guy who destroyed all his possessions, or perhaps you've always been big fans of electronic music outfit the KLF, who famously burned one million pounds on a remote Scottish island. Or your reason might be more mundane and you simply don't want your soon-to-be-divorced spouse to get their share of the investment you both know that you own. <laughs> Whatever the reason, we're not here to judge. And while we're usually in the business of helping people protect their coins, it's easy enough to reverse engineer security to help you lose them in the fastest and easiest way possible. So what's one way? Well, brag about your Bitcoin. If you've got it and wish to lose it, by all means, flaunt it. Want to get rid of that Rolex weighing down your wrist? Pair it with a t-shirt, flash it about in a crowded bar, and then take a walk through a bad part of town after dark. You'll soon find yourself relieved of your timepiece. It's the same thing with Bitcoin. You want the world to know you're a Bitcoiner and ideally that you've stacked enough sats for it to be worthwhile stealing them, so tell them. Add laser eyes to your social media profiles. Oh, God. Keep tweeting those diamond hands and don't forget about the offline world either. Be sure to boast about your mastery of Bitcoin to all of your friends, family, and most importantly, brand new acquaintances. You never know who will be tempted to start probing your defenses in order to, order to relieve you of your investment. And by all means, keep it on an exchange. In the early Wild West days of Bitcoin, losing your coin was child's play as there was no shortage of disreputable exchanges that would help you lose all of your investments. If you kept your coins in a hosted wallet, it was only a matter of time before the exchange went bust like Mt. Gox got hacked, lost coins by engaging in fractional reserve banking or the owners absconded or died with your keys. <clears throat> The exchange market has matured significantly in recent years with enhanced security measures such as two-factor authentication and even published proof of reserves as proof of custody. Don't be disheartened. As long as you entrust your keys to a third party, anything could happen and probably will. Exchanges still go bust with reassuring regularity. Even more encouragingly, governments are now actively targeting Bitcoiners' wealth and not just traditional authoritarians like China and Russia. The Canadian government recently instructed financial institutions, including cryptocurrency custodians, to freeze the accounts of anyone who donates even a small amount to the trucker protest.
Even if you have a strong password and 2FA protecting your exchange account, you never know what other vulnerability might be exploited to gain access and drain it all. If you've got your coins on exchange, relax. They are indeed in unsafe hands. Write it down. Let's, let's do it. Let's write it down. Things get a little trickier if you've decided to self-custody your Bitcoin offline in a secure hardware wallet, or do they? After all, when you hold your keys yourself, the power to lose your coins is completely in your hands. Why wait for an exchange to go bust when you can start adopting security worst practices today? The secret to making your wallet insecure lies in your seed phrase, the string of words you use to generate your private key. And the simplest way to lose your coins is to memorize your seed phrase and then delete or destroy any record of it. A few months on, hardly anyone has a hope of recalling every word in the correct order. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> what if you're cursed with an edictic memory? Easy, write it down. Even better, do it twice in physical pen and paper form, ideally kept near your hardware wallet, and for good measure, recorded on a cloud-based document where anyone with a will can access it through a brute force attack. This is particularly effective if you regularly remind people that you hold your wealth in Bitcoin. Disinherit the next generation by all means. This one is for those who like playing the long game. You know the phrase, you can't take it with you. Well, with Bitcoin, you can. If you haven't considered inheritance planning, then your entire investment will likely go to the grave with you, joining the estimated 3.7 million BTC, around 18% of the coins that will ever be, that has already been lost forever. Of course, this requires you to reverse the principles above. If you really want to cheat your children out of their inheritance, you need to make it as difficult for them to gain access to your keys as any attacker. So, if that's the way you want to go, don't tell your heirs. Don't write down your seed phrase and do get a hardware wallet. Even better, cut your 24-word seed phrase into many pieces and store them in many hidden holes around the world with no recovery instructions whatsoever. Your heirs won't thank you at all. Whatever you do, just make sure your Bitcoin storage and security providers don't have a specific and robust protocol for inheritance planning. You can rest easy in the knowledge that not even the devil himself will get your wealth when you pass on. If, for some reason, you do want to protect your Bitcoin, just ignore everything that I've written. Even better, do the exact opposite. But all you'd be doing is securing your investment in the only censorship-resistant and inflation-proof store of value ever invented. And why would you want to go and do something as dull as that? So Jameson Lopp, <clears throat> also a very, very OG in the space. Um, if, you, if you listen to that and you thought that this is bad advice on how to lose your Bitcoin, you would be wrong. This is very excellent advice on exactly how to lose your Bitcoin. So beware. I would, <clears throat> if, if you so choose, I would start looking for Jameson Lop. I think it's at Lop on Twitter, but I haven't seen him post a whole lot lately. Actually, you know, honestly, a lot of the OGs in, in Bitcoin are not posting on Twitter lately. At least it, it's either the algorithm of Twitter or they just ain't doing it. But one thing is for certain, my Bitcoin Twitter feed is kind of boring right now and has been 
Well, for a couple of months, uh, ever since I got deleted off of Twitter with the B-E-N-N-D-7-7 account, <clears throat> I made Twitter mad, apparently. Now, for those of you who need to know what the hell's going on with Bitcoin protocol stuff, we have the Bitcoin Optech newsletter number 192, bitches. So, speedy trial discussion. A mention of the speedy trial soft fork activation method from the summary of a recent meeting about the proposed opcheck template verify opcode was spun off into a separate thread on the Bitcoin dev mailing list for additional discussion after Jorge Timon expressed concern about the use of speedy trial for a soft fork he thought was controversial. Russell O'Connor explained how the concerns had been previously addressed. Anthony Towns further described how an unwanted soft fork activation using speedy trial could be resisted by objecting users. Payment delivery algorithm update. Renee Pickert posted to the Lightning Dev mailing list that he'd found a much more computationally efficient approximation for his and Stefan Richter's pathfinding algorithm published last year. See newsletter 163 for earlier discussions about the algorithm. Pickert's email also suggests ways in which fast payment success could be improved, such as through the implementation of stuckless payments and by allowing refundable overpayments as proposed in several academic papers. Changes to services and client software is up next. CoinSwap implementation teleport transactions have been announced. In a recent Bitcoin dev mailing list post, Chris Belcher announced an alpha version point, or sorry, 0.1 of teleport transactions that implements the CoinSwap protocol. Join market adds taproot sends, uh, and that's in version 0.9.5, uh, is, adds the ability to send to BEC32M addresses. Mercury Wallet adds RBF support, uh, Mercury Wallet is a wallet for the Mercury State Chain released V0.6.5, including support for replace by fee, transaction replacements for withdrawals. Hexa Wallet, a Bitcoin mobile wallet, added Lightning Network features for LND users running on their own node in the version 2.0.71 release. Uh, Sparrow 1.6.0 added support and features for BIP47 reusable payment codes and described the features. Releases and release candidates. HWI 2.1.0 RC.1 is a release candidate for HWI that adds taproot support for several hardware signing devices, among other improvements and bug fixes. What else we got here? Notable code and documentation changes. We're not going to go through that one <clears throat> because that's getting off into the weeds. The, the first part of the Bitcoin Optech newsletter pretty much gives you everything that you need to know. Now, back to the news. If you are going to KYC, you should probably CYA. Heidi Porter from Bitcoin Magazine has it. On or about March 10th and 18th of this year, two third-party services had their Bitcoin duster, customer data compromised. One was an email marketing system called Active Campaign, and the other was a customer relationship manager web application called HubSpot. In total, the two separate incidents targeted and accessed personal information of customers belonging to at least 31 Bitcoin companies. In all cases, the compromised data included the customer's name and email addresses, and in most cases, it also included physical addresses and phone numbers 
In other cases, the stolen data also included an IP address, browsing history, type of user, and other customer information. From the information that was shared publicly, one compromise occurred via social engineering and one compromise was via a phishing attack. What we don't know yet is whether other Bitcoin companies have been compromised via their third-party services. Other companies may not yet realize that their data has been compromised. In summary, there have always been bad actors targeting Bitcoiners. There are always increasing attacks on Bitcoin companies. Cyber attacks are having, or sorry, cyber attacks are having numbers go up in a very large way. KYC means know your customer. If you have given any of the above mentioned pieces of personal information to one or more of these Bitcoin companies in order to buy Bitcoin or other services, your personal information that that company required in order to know their customer has now been compromised. The bad actor or actors who perpetrated these successful attacks at minimum now know that you at least hold Bitcoin. How they might intend to take advantage of that information remains to be seen. So you should cover your ass. A customer relationship manager or management system is a process in which businesses or other organization administers its interactions with customers. Salesforce is perhaps the most well-known example of CRM. An email marketing service like ActiveCampaign is an easy way for companies to email newsletters and other information to different groups of users. Similar to how most people use various digital productivity apps to manage their contacts and communication lives, businesses and other organizations use CRMs and email marketing services in order to digitally run their businesses. <clears throat> Every digital business you shop or work with can also have this personal data compromised. So how can you see YA in the future? If you are going to interact with a company that needs to KYC and store your contact details, these are my recommendations on the minimum steps that you should take to see YA. Number one, email. Obtain a separate email address that you use only for Bitcoin financial services. If there is a data compromise, get a new email address and update that email information for all Bitcoin services. Number two, get a separate internet phone number and use that for any Bitcoin services. As with email addresses, if there is a data compromise, change the phone number on all Bitcoin services. Enable multi-factor authentication. <coughs> sorry. Enable multi-factor authentication or MFA with an authenticator app or hardware key. Do not use SMS slash text for MFA. Remember, if compromised, they will have your phone number now and can SIM swap and compromise you. Always use strong passwords and a password manager and don't reuse the same passwords across different services. Finally, get a P.O. box. That is a post office box or other delivery location to use in lieu of your home or work address. Some people even use a totally separate desktop system for Bitcoin service interactions. You might benefit from reviewing the security tips I have delineated in Bitcoin OPSEC tips from Casa KeyFest. So how you can see YA if your data was already compromised. Basically follow the steps above and change what you can in your Bitcoin company profile and account credentials and do it now. You will then know that future company contact with the old email address and phone number should be viewed as suspicious and possibly most likely nefarious. 
How can you see YA against social engineering? First, do not assume you would not fall for a social engineering attack, please, for the love of God. Social engineering is a devious method of compromise and it will appeal to your desire to be seen and understood. If the bad actors have your info from a CRM, they will use information about what you've browsed, your purchases that you've made, and past conversations in order to make you feel like they have personally connected with you. They will use any psychological vulnerability that they can detect in order to make you trust them and then take an action that can cause a compromise that will give them financial gain. Imagine that tomorrow you get a phone call, social engineering, ostensibly from one of your Bitcoin service providers that notifies you of the attack and offers to update your password there and then right over the phone. Your caller ID even shows that they are calling from the company that they say that they're calling from. They just need your current password to authenticate you. If you have enabled it, they might even say you will get a two-factor authentication request sent to your phone and sure enough, you get one. They'll ask you to read off the code to quote, confirm your identity. <clears throat> What's actually happening is that they have spoofed the caller ID to make it look like they're calling from that company. They're logged into the website as you and you're giving them all the information they need to access your account right then and there. Always go to the website directly and make any profile changes there for yourself without anybody else doing it for you. How can you see YA against email phishing? Do not assume that you are so technically astute that you would not fall for a spear phishing attack. Even people who should know better fall for them all the time. Imagine that tomorrow you get an email, a phishing attack, ostensibly from one of your Bitcoin service providers that notifies you of the attack and recommends that you log in immediately to update your password, providing a handy login link. Should you click that link? The answer is no. You should never click the link in an email. Do some research and educate yourself about how real those, or sorry, do some research and educate yourself about how real these look and how they use psychological bias and noise to trick your eyes and brain. No before, and that's K-N-O-W-B-E and the number four, is a company that provides employee security training and has a lot of good free information about how to spot and avoid phishing attacks. I personally rarely, if ever, click links from Bitcoin companies. Go to the site and log on directly. The small extra effort is worth the extra security and avoiding the risks of personal information compromise. How can you see YA with centralized exchanges? As always, not your keys, not your coins. To be truly decentralized, you must get your Bitcoin off of the exchange and into self-custody. This is not just a Bitcoin company problem. However, as I am writing about it, <coughs> sorry, again. However, as I am writing about in another piece and something that should be evident at this point, Bitcoiners are a target Wake-up call on security and privacy. These compromises should be a wake-up call on security in every area of your digital life, and you just realize you do care about privacy. To that end, 
you could choose to move to services that do not KYC and or that do not hold some of your personal information. For more detailed information about the HubSpot compromise, see Robert Warren's What the HubSpot Company, Bitcoin Company Data Breach Means for You. It's not good. I read that yesterday. So at least somebody is like, okay, this is all bad. You know, this is the end of the article, but th uh, this is all bad. What the hell can you do? Thank God somebody is starting to write about this stuff. You know, thank, you know, thankfully Jameson Lopp spent his time writing us about what he thinks about how to lose your Bitcoin. And here we have this person talking about how to cover your ass. These are good. These are all good things to see. However, there was one, there was one thing in here that caught my attention. This one. I personally rarely, if ever, click links from Bitcoin companies. Already, the person writing this are themselves in danger. Rarely. I mean, all you have to do is click it just once, just once, and shit can go south like a duck in winter, man. Believe me, I've done it. Not for Bitcoin. I was working at Texas Tech University. And I got an email from what I thought was human resources at Texas Tech University. It had everything. It had the logo. It had it in the right spot. It was the right size. It was the right kind of language. It wasn't long. It wasn't short. It was exactly like any other human resources email that I've ever gotten from Texas Tech University. And it was a phishing attack. And I clicked it. And I wasn't the only one. That was one of the most hardcore lessons of my life. Thankfully, it didn't compromise like anything other than my own computer. Texas Tech University Systems uh, security is actually pretty damn good, honestly. Alarms went off. I was contacted by, you know, IT. They, you know, basically quarantined my machine. And it was, it was all fixed with it by the end of the day. Hell, it was fixed by the end of lunch. But it might not have been because I clicked a link in an email. This needs to go beyond rarely, if ever, clicking a Bitcoin company link, either in, you know, uh, like, uh, what am I trying to say? Twitter or email or whatever, okay? Just don't do it. You, the chances of everything going south within the 15 seconds it takes for you to get the message and think about your next move is highly unlikely. If it, if it is, then it's already gone and there's not anything you can do about it. But most likely what's going to happen is that somebody's trying to get your information. So take the 15 seconds to take four deep breaths and think about what you need to do. And what you need to do is log into that particular website, not from the link sent in the email or whatever, but directly through your own browser, under your own control, just do that. And that'll probably help you out. Now, what's not helping us out is El Salvador is now postponing the Bitcoin bond to September. Helen Parts tells us more, Cointelegraph. <clears throat> the government of El Salvador has reportedly decided to postpone the issue of a Bitcoin-backed bond due to the unfavorable market conditions fueled by the geopolitical crises. El Salvador's volcano bond will not go live in March as the Salvadoran government expected previously, Finance Minister Alejandro Zelaya said in an interview with a local TV channel. 
Zaleya claimed that the delay was due to the volatile prices of BTC fueled by the Russia-Ukraine crisis. He added that the government of El Salvador decided to wait for favorable conditions in the financial market, expecting September at the latest, stating, quote, now is not the time to issue the bond. In May or June, the market variants are a little different. At the latest in September. After September, if you go out to the international market, it is difficult to raise capital. End quote. At the time of writing, Bitcoin is trading at 42236 uh, The cryptocurrency has lost nearly, yes, we know, 50%, blah, blah, blah. Zaleya hinted at a potential de- delay of El Salvador's Bitcoin bonds last week, citing the unstable political situation in the world as one of the biggest reasons for the postponement. As previously reported, the $1 billion Bitcoin bond was originally scheduled to launch mid-March. El Salvador Congressman William Serrano took to Twitter in early February to declare that the Bitcoin bond was expected to go live by the second or third week of March. El Salvador President Nayib Bukele originally announced plans for the Bitcoin bond in November of 2021. The bond is reportedly marketed with a 6.5% coupon and a Bitcoin dividend of 50% of the gain of the cryptocurrency price after five years. So. They are delaying it till at least September. And like yesterday, I think I uh, had had brought to you that the the bond is going to be delayed, but they didn't say till when. But now it looks like it's going to be six months from now. I mean, it is what it is. Am I disappointed? Kind of. But just because I wanted to see what would happen. Does Bitcoin need this bond? No. Bitcoin doesn't need an ETF, whether derivative on price or whether it's spot price. It doesn't need bonds. It doesn't need Steve Hankey to come around. It doesn't need Peter Schiff to turn the light bulb on that's like, you know, being dim over his head. It doesn't need any of that because guess what happens? Somewhere in the next 10 minutes, Bitcoin is going to crank out a block. We don't know what the price is going to be when that block gets cranked out. We don't know how many transactions are going to be in that block, nor do we know how many or how much those transactions are worth there for providing fees to the miner. We know two things. In roughly 10 minutes, a block is going to get cranked out and there's going to be 6.25 Bitcoin for the subsidy on that block. Those are the only things we know that we can predict that future. That is the only future that we can predict with clarity, certainty, and that's why I Bitcoin. Let's run the numbers. CNBC, futures and commodities, energy on fire as normal. 3.6% to the upside for West Texas Intermediate. We are sitting at $113.26. Brent North Sea up almost a four, a full four points to $120, ladies and gentlemen. Natural gas up over a point to $5.24. Gasoline has increased two and a quarter points to $3.40 a barrel, a barrel, a gallon, sorry. Gold is up 0.37% to $1,928.70. Silver is up 0.69. Platinum is down scant. Copper up 1.17. And palladium is up 0.46. I wish that they would give me the nickel price. And if you're wondering why I'm asking is nickel came back 
sort of like Nickelback. Anyway, yeah, Nickel went up like a rocket ship and then just fell to Earth like a Titanic. It was just, it's a horrible thing. Agricultural futures are mostly up. Uh, who's the biggest winner? Soybeans, point, uh, no, actually 1.67% to the upside, followed by chocolate, 1.59 to the upside. Everything else is up basically under a single digit. Okay, now let's see indices. Dow down 0.65%, S&P down 0.47, NASDAQ down 0.55, and S&P mini down 0.65. Real money, 42,130 bucks. 264,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours. That's 11,000 transactions every hour on the hour with 872,000 BTC being sent in that period. That's 36,344 BTC every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 3.29 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.015 BTC or 629 bucks. Block times are high, 10 minutes and 45 seconds. 0.08 0.08 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 11 and a quarter BTC taken overall in fees over the last 24 hour period. And with a 5.5% drop in hash rate, we're below 200 to 199 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge at 12.2 United States pennies. We have 9,465 transactions waiting on five blocks to clear. We have an $802.4 billion market cap, which is 6.31% of gold's entire market cap. And you may purchase 21.9 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,991,398.43. And 3,559 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $150 million being run over 20,218 nodes sporting 85,296 payment channels and 75.4% of all of it's being run over 11,653 Tor nodes or at least nodes that we can see. And that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use Wyoming Senator's crypto bill to receive Democratic support. According to a source, Jeff John Roberts has it for Decrypt.co. Let's find out more. In a move that could bolster support for the cryptocurrency industry in Washington, D.C., at least one Democratic senator is poised to co-sponsor a piece of legislation being drafted by Cynthia Lummis, a Wyoming Republican and a longtime Bitcoin holder. According to a source familiar with the matter, the legislation is likely to be co-sponsored by one or two Democratic senators who represent states on either coast. If this comes to pass, it would let the bill's supporters brand the effort as bipartisan, an important potential development given the highly partisan atmosphere in Congress and given how Democratic leadership has been largely hostile to crypto. The Lummis legislation, which could drop as soon as this week, is expected to propose rules that will clarify the role of the SEC and other agencies when it comes to overseeing crypto and to provide definitions that will mean many popular tokens are not securities. The law also likely would create a so-called de minimis exemption for crypto transactions of a few hundred dollars or less, a measure that would mean people could use crypto for small purchases or transfers without triggering tax obligations. 
If Democratic senators do attach their names to the bill, it could help change perceptions in the crypto industry that the party is out to get them. A perception fanned by aggressive rhetoric from the likes of Biden-appointed SEC Chairman Gary Gensler and by the powerful Senator Senator or by the powerful Senator Elizabeth Focahontas Warren. The names of the potential Democratic co-sponsors are being kept under wraps, but one potential candidate is Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York. While Gillibrand's name has rarely come up in crypto conversations in Congress, she has ties to her home state's Wall Street-based financial industry, which has increasingly, increasingly embraced the potential of blockchain. And more significantly, Politico announced it's hosting a crypto event featuring both Lummis and Gillibrand that's sponsored by New York-based crypto services giant Grayscale. Gillibrand's office did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Another Democrat who could conceivably join the bill is Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon, who worked with Lummis to uh, oppose provisions in a 2021 infrastructure bill that many perceived as damaging to the crypto industry. Wyden's office did also not immediately respond when contacted. Even if Lummis's bill is introduced with bipartisan support, the legislative process is such that it would likely take years to pass. But in the meantime, support for Democratic senators would not only provide momentum, but potentially nudge the party's leadership to become less adversarial to crypto, a position unpopular with voters, especially the growing number of younger voters and people of color who own crypto. Oh, good Lord. I, bringing, I, I don't know, man, it's just, inserting the whole race thing into the very end of that is sort of like, I mean, it may be true, but is it necessary to talk about color at this point? All it really does is piss people off. In either event, let's let's move on. We're going to read this one, and it is from Citadel21.com. That is Citadel21.com magazine, who, if you remember, when you if you were there for the release of the first volume, then you saw Citadel21's four servers get burnt to the ground as they opened up the very first payments uh, for being able to buy the magazine. And I, I mean, I literally was sitting right there on Citadel 21's website, on finger poised on the buy button. And the minute I hit it, it was just a spinning circle of weight. I look over at Twitter and literally within 30 seconds, I see the first tweet from Citadel 21 saying, our servers have been taken off, taken down. They are offline. The traffic was so horrendous that we've burnt our servers to the ground and they were adding more servers. And 30 minutes later, I was able to buy the, the magazine. But that story aside, let's get into it. One Bitcoin is your Harvard MBA by Croesus. Uh, for the 25th reunion of the class of 1986, they sent out a survey that asked intimate questions about the Harvard Business School grads' lives and careers. And then they published the results. As far as I can tell, they never published anything like this again. The, me the median annual earnings for these high-power executives was $350,000. More revealing, however, was what the survey indicated about the net worth of these 50-year-old Harvard grads. In 2011, the median net worth of the Harvard Business School class of 86 was $6 million dollars. Of course, adjusted for asset price inflation, that would have been something more like 10 million today. 
It also is worth under, underlining that this would have been the midpoint in the set of reported net worths and presumably the average would have been much higher as a result of some very high earners at the top end of the distribution. When I first came across this number, it shocked me. It frankly feels low. I mean, this is Harvard. And this is the cohort of HBS grads that went out into the world at the tail end of the 80s in the heyday of opportunity for corporate executives to deliver value through cost-cutting, offshoring, M&A, and financial engineering. They would have been perfectly positioned to take leadership positions in newfangled internet companies in the 90s and would have been active participants in the 2000s housing boom. Our culture glorifies the Harvard MBA today because of the massive success of this era of Reagan Republicans who were trained in the latest techniques of cutting-edge managerial science and whipped into the zealous religion of shareholder profits above all else before being unleashed upon the world. These grads are why Harvard Business School is known as the West Point of capitalism. It probably goes without saying, but these opportunities are not open to you. They are not even open to recent HBS grads. The low-hanging fruit of driving shareholder value through the classic mechanisms of managerial science listed above have all been plucked. But for every generation, there's some new wave of opportunity whose low-hanging fruit awaits for those who figure it out before anyone else does. What could it be for this generation? If you're a millennial or a Zoomer, you've probably thought about how impossible retirement sounds. It was different for the boomers. Interest rates were driven down from 15% in 1981 to 0% over three decades, causing equities markets and home prices to soar. If you got in on the ground floor, like the boomers who entered the workforce in the 70s, bought houses in the 80s, and maxed out their 401k contributions for decades along the way, you did great. But there's no more runway to drive down interest rates. What's more, the younger generations have already been priced out of homes. Most of my MBA classmates can't afford to buy a home and we're in our mid-30s. It's all terribly disheartening. We've been told to put faith in the tried and true wisdom of responsibly growing personal wealth, you know, get a mortgage, invest in stocks, which became the accepted wisdom because of the tremendous success of the prior generation at stripping that tree of its fruit. Well, there's not much left there for us except to take on crushingly large mortgages. And yet, if you just turn around... Perhaps there's a new tree full of opportunity. For example, purely hypothetical, what if there was a digitally native store value asset? Something whose properties have set it on a deterministic path to become gold for the internet age. And once it becomes gold 2.0, it doesn't stop on its pre-programmed path to get more scarce, more valuable, such that it starts to rival and even surpass the previously unmatched capabilities of real estate as a scarce store of value. And along this whole journey, it enables the disruption and disintermediation of entire industries involved in the traditional functions of value storage, banking, transmission, payments, and associated services like financial services. Why such a wide sweeping overhaul of the world of value would be tantamount to a second internet revolution, an internet of value to complement the existing internet of information. If there was such an asset, it could very feasibly eat $200 trillion of the world's $900 trillion worth of assets. That's a bold claim and will likely sound preposterous on the surface to many readers, 
But that's my conclusion after thousands of hours of trying to disprove the mechanics underway. As far as I can tell, all that has to happen for this to play out is for Bitcoin to keep doubling in scarcity, which is programmed into the protocol to happen every 210,000 blocks. Which is to say, all that separates Bitcoin from becoming the most important asset of the 21st century is the passage of time. Since that is a given, Bitcoin's rise appears inevitable, pre-programmed and deterministic. While I am tempted to launch further into all of that, it's time to bring our focus back to the Harvard Business School class of 86, who have been waiting in the wings patiently for the author to get to the point. If Bitcoin becomes a $200 trillion asset, each of the 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist will grow to be worth $10 million apiece. For millennials and Zoomers, the path to achieving financial success on the scale of the legendary Harvard MBAs of our parents' generation is as simple as accumulating one whole Bitcoin. The best of the boomers achieve $10 million in wealth through leveraging an unprecedented era of equities and real estate price appreciation. The best of the millennials and Zoomers will achieve the same wealth by plucking the low-hanging fruit of accumulating Bitcoin before the rest of the world has caught on. That's the end of the article. Nice. Croesus. In the space for a long time. I love what he has written here because it makes a lot of sense. Something's got to give in the world, guys. They've kicked the can to the edge of the cliff. And yes, they will get, they will get a shipment of lumber and they will build a fucking pier out off that cliff so they can kick that can down just a little bit more. But eventually that can is going to fall over the cliff and is going to enter gravitational well and it's going to be free fall. Something has to give. That force of that free fall is going to create friction. That friction is going to create heat and that heat is going to be absorbed by Bitcoin. Bitcoin is going to be the failure sink for all of this shit. That doesn't mean that some, like there's always the, the worry that something else is going to come along. Well, fuck it. Something else might come along. But for right now and for the foreseeable damn future, it's Bitcoin. And even honestly, if something else does come along after Bitcoin, it's not going to have the immaculate conception that Bitcoin had. And I honestly, truly believe that Bitcoin's going to stay around for a lot longer than hundreds of years. Because I think that at one point or another, humanity is going to have to look at this thing and say, here and no further, this and nothing else. There's no reason to recreate it because the only reason to recreate it is for somebody to gain control. I really don't believe there's anything after Bitcoin. We don't really need it. If you need something to be faster than Bitcoin, then build a layer on top of Bitcoin. That's all you really need to do. And if somebody chooses to trust your ass, then that's their business. Personally, I'm going to be very skeptical of all the layers that are built on top of Bitcoin. Because unless they leverage Bitcoin security as much as it possibly can, then that system could be compromised. But that's the trade-off. If you want to transact completely securely and know beyond any shadow of a doubt that that shit's going to work, then do a base chain transaction. You may pay through the nose for it in a hundred years, but you will know it's secure. Everything else, 
possibly compromise is, is sewn into its code. Who knows? I just am not worried about this whole anything else argument. Now, miners that hold the most Bitcoin are relentlessly expanding, according to Joseph Hall from Cointelegraph. Bitcoin miners are holding more and more Bitcoin while relentlessly expanding their operations in 2022. A report by Arcane Research indicates that publicly listed Bitcoin miners are constantly looking for expansion opportunities as they plan to increase hash rate faster than the whole network in 2022. 44.95% of global hash rate derives from North American miners, according to the latest figures from the Cambridge Bitcoin Electricity Consumption Index. With the massive projective projected increases in target hash rate among the publicly traded Bitcoin miners, it's likely to increase. Jarun Millerud, an analyst at Arcane Research, told Cointelegraph that most publicly listed miners pursue a hodl strategy, doing their best to keep as much as they can of their, of their mined Bitcoin. Quote, this holding strategy enables them to serve as Bitcoin investment vehicles for investors who want to own Bitcoin indirectly through an investment structure, end quote. Whit Gibbs, the founder and CEO of Compass Mining, explained to Cointelegraph that public mining companies definitely have an advantage when it comes to hodling Bitcoin because they have access to the capital markets. Quote, they don't need to liquidate their Bitcoin in order to buy more machines, increase their rack space, etc. They're able to go to the capital markets and get that money to continue to expand. So they're able to hold large positions in Bitcoin, end quote. Some of the largest miners hold huge amounts of Bitcoin, Gibbs added. Quote, it's crazy how much some of them are actually holding. As published on Bitcoin Treasuries, Bitcoin mining company Marathon holds the third largest amount of Bitcoin among businesses worldwide, right behind Tesla and MicroStrategy. Since 2021, miners' reserves have been steadily increasing, reflective of their HODL strategy. Gibbs suggested that the publicly traded Bitcoin mining companies are taking more of a bullish approach to Bitcoin. Quote, the companies are looking at Bitcoin on their balance sheet as a way to drive up their market valuations. End quote. Mellerud also understands that Bitcoin mining stocks are increasingly popular in legacy financial markets. Quote, the demand for Bitcoin investment vehicles is high, particularly in the U.S. since the Bitcoin exchange traded fund market is immature. The Bitcoin exchange traded fund saga is an Achilles heel of the network as successive Bitcoin ETF applications have been rejected. While market interest for Bitcoin miners swells, Mellerud sums up why the mining business model is attractive and effective, echoing Gibbs' comments. Quote, miners are some of the biggest Bitcoin bulls out there, and they utilize the highly developed equity and debt market in the United States to raise money to pay for their expansions and operating expenses, allowing them to keep the Bitcoin that they mine, end quote. Bitcoin miner HUT8, for example, recently posted record revenues with its overall BTC holdings surging by 100%. 2022 may not be the year of the bull, but it's certainly a good time to publicly mine the orange coin. So miners are not spending their Bitcoin. They're harvesting money out of the legacy financial system, which is what? What? That sounds like a law. That sounds like Gresham's law. That sounds like start burning the shittiest money you can for heat and holding the best store of value that you can for as long as you possibly can before you run out of fuel to throw on that freaking fire. This is literally the 
poster child for that particular rule. Shitty money goes first. Shitty money goes first. Always remember that. If there's two kinds of money on the table, the shitty one will get spent first. I guarantee it. Uh, what else do we have here? Oh, oh, let's see. I don't want to do this one. Yeah, we, we got to end it on this one. Ladies and gentlemen, stay away. Stay as far away. If you see it, run away. Run away as fast as you possibly can from this eye-scanning crypto project, WorldCoin, which is set for a $100 million raise. As per a report, Jeff Benson gives it to us from Decrypt.co. Looking good. That's what the Iris Scanning Crypto Project WorldCoin is likely saying after a report that it's in the midst of an eye-popping $100 million raise, which will see its valuation go to $3 billion. According to a report in the information, which cites anonymous sources, the round includes funding from venture capital firms Andreessen Horowitz and Kulsha Ventures, the startup, which came out of stealth mode in October, boasted a Series A funding round led by Andreessen that also included digital currency group, Coinbase Ventures, and Multicoin, as well as FTX founder Sam Brankman-Fried and LinkedIn co-founder Reed Frickin' Hoffman. Co-founded by Sam Altman, the former president of Silicon Valley incubator Y Combinator, which is, if you remember that, that's way, I mean, we're talking way back in the day. WorldCoin is an Ethereum-based token aiming to distribute something akin to a universal basic income for all the world's people. It's something of a cousin to other crypto projects such as Circles and Proof of Humanity, which are working on initiatives in that same vein. The funds, which WorldCoins have not confirmed, are much needed. Bloomberg noted just last week that it had hit the pause button on work within seven of the 20 or so countries that it was active in after local contractors departed or regulations made doing business damn near impossible. It also began requiring smartphones for signups, limiting access in countries where flip phones are still the norm. While most cryptocurrencies can extend beyond borders without much in the way of government buy-in, WorldCoin isn't your typical crypto company. To verify that a person is eligible for the free tokens, it uses, quote, the orb, end quote, a device that scans irises to make sure that they're both real and haven't already been scanned. While the startup says that no other personal information is required, yeah, no shit, Sherlock, the image is translated into data, then it's discarded, bullshit, Privacy icon Edward Snowden argued that it could potentially be abused since the hashes of those scans are indeed saved. Quote, hashes that match future scans, he tweeted back in October, don't catalog your eyeballs. Just don't do it. End quote. Altman responded via tweet, experimentation with new approaches to privacy and identity seem good to me. Everyone can decide what they want to use and not use. Ah, fuck you. The hope for WorldCoin is that people will decide to get the scan. According to Bloomberg, it's already scanned 450,000 people in 20 countries. With another $100 million, they should be getting a lot more eyeballs. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the article. Please, please listen to Edward Snowden. If they scan your eyeball, they can make a hash of that image. Now, here's my, here's my only thing about this. It would seem that if another, if there was another 
iris scan of your same eyeball, then that would match the hash of the original eyeball. But it depends on how they do it. All right, so if it's a picture, if it's one pixel off on dent, you know, like on uh, color or uh, you know uh, black, you know black through the white spectrum, like a like its brightness, its contrast, anything, any pixel that's off between two pictures of the exact same thing, that hash doesn't match. However, what I worry about is that this iris scan will map your out on the veins in your iris or your arteries in your iris and make it like basically use an algorithm to kind of straighten that out so that any other time that you get a scan that same algorithm will be used and then those algorithmic smoothed things will actually give the exact same hash your the retina of your eyeball is your fingerprint. It's the exact same thing. No two of these blood networks in the in your retina are the same. They're not even the same between your left and right eyeball, okay? They are not the same between any other human on the planet. It is a fingerprint. The problem here is I can kind of choose to keep my fingerprints off of stuff, although that's obviously kind of ludicrous. But as I'm walking around, what kind of technology can scan my iris at a distance? We don't know. And I mean, I don't know, neither do you. So we don't know. And if we're literally walking around and they have a single hash of your retina, either left or right, and they can scan that shit from distance, you're in trouble. They'll know exactly where you are all the fucking time, which is one of the reasons why I suggest getting out of the cities. But who knows? I mean, who knows? This, this entire world is going authoritarian, draconian, totalitarian, socialist, communist, whatever. I mean, it's all bad. It's all bad. Why we're letting it happen is beyond me. Maybe it's because we just, we've been beaten down so much that we feel weak and powerless but the human spirit has this weird tendency to get pissed off all of a sudden and it gets pissed off all together with a whole bunch of other people. And all of a sudden the thought of going out and doing things that I probably shouldn't verbalize on this podcast happen. And they, it does so with, with, a, with rapidity that can make your eyeballs swim. But for right now, we're letting this shit happen to us. Don't let this shit happen to you. All right, we're we're 61 minutes in. I'm going to go ahead and end it right now without any further ado. I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and and I'm your host David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.